typical for self-fulfillment, even narcissism. Consequently, little room or inclination is left to pursue the greater eternal realities that promise us everything our futile carnal pursuits falsely promise. We've become a society of rich young rulers, running the proverbial hamster wheel to keep up with the Joneses, and now we've just got too much stuff to let it all go. My point is that our lives are ebbing away as we confuse the urgent with the important, and our kids are watching. Learn about Trace's book, The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill, when you visit LicensedToParent.org. WTRJ, Orange Park, Jacksonville. WAYL, St. Augustine. WATY, Folkston, Georgia. Online at ILoveTheTruth.com. You know, it's true. Difficult times have a way of focusing us. We have to think about what matters most when it comes to our spending, our health care. This is why so many people are joining MediShare right now. MediShare is a trusted way to save up to 50% on your monthly health care costs. More than 400,000 people have already made the switch. It's pretty obvious why, too, especially now during this challenging season with health care costs and out-of-pocket expenses going up. MediShare can save you a lot of money. The typical family saves $500 a month. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. There are different options to choose from to fit your budget. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Maybe now is the perfect time to make the switch and start saving. Here you go. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. All engines running. Commit liftoff. Good afternoon and welcome to SWAT Radio. It is Doug McCary of His Light Ministries, and today is Thursday, January 18th. And if you are a regular listener to SWAT Radio, you know that Thursdays are our normal guest days where we invite uh, people who are either in full-time ministry who are out there uh, serving in some capacity, or they're just making disciples, uh, or they're being discipled, and we want to share their story. And today I'm privileged to have uh, a guy who's been mentoring me since 1996. Hard to believe it's been that long, a long time. And uh, he has probably been one of the most, if not the most influential, but certainly one of the most influential um, ministers in my life, and I'm very excited to have him on again, Dr. Perry Bowers. Perry, welcome back to SWAT Radio. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to have you back, and uh, things are uh, have been in a little transition for you here in the past uh, year or two. Uh, tell us what's going on with perry bowers from the perspective of you well first let me just let our listeners know if you've listened before to his interviews perry led a ministry called focused living ministries he's one of the most focused guys i've ever met in my life um and that was the name of his ministry focused living ministries and 
How long did you do that, Perry? 30 years. 30 years he led that ministry, and now he has transitioned it over to a guy he discipled, uh, a guy named Dave Andes, uh, is is the executive director now, and Dave was there for a long time. And uh, now what is Perry Bowers doing day-to-day? Well, two or three years ago, I all I never assumed that God wants to see uh, keep me in the same place. So I always asked him to either uh, call me elsewhere or to confirm where I need to be. Hmm. And a couple of years, a few years ago, I was doing that. I, I take a retreat, a personal retreat, about uh, three, four times a year, spending a day alone with the Lord, just listening, reading His Word. And God uh, made it very clear as I was reading and praying. He said, now's a great time for transition. I want you to show these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of men uh, that family is important. And I want you to move and start over again at uh, in Chattanooga to be with your six grandkids. Mm-hmm. I don't do that with everyone, but I'm going to give you the honor and privilege of doing that. Mm-hmm. And so Janet and I moved to Chattanooga about a year and a half ago. And started all over. Mm-hmm. And and up in Chattanooga, you are still ministering, like uh, you are serving. Are, are you with Marketplace Chaplains, or is it a different ministry? I know you're a chaplain in the workforce. Yeah, it's called Marketplace Ministries. Part of that is Marketplace Chaplain. It's a great outfit, largest uh, chaplain agency in the country. And uh, one of the distinctives is we don't just minister to the um, – employees the people on the on the job but also their families and so if your kids on drugs or whatever is going on we minister to them and it's a delight to do that and be available to the lord uh right smack in the middle of the marketplace where i think uh, jesus enjoyed being he didn't hole up in a church or synagogue somewhere he was out there with people mm-hmm. and uh, pointing people to christ to the father all the time mm-hmm. it's exciting it keeps you keeps you young because you never know what you're going to run into. Yeah. Well, um, and, and Perry, you have, you have two daughters, you and Janet, right? Two daughters, six grands, six grands between the two. And, uh, do, do both your daughters live up there? You live in Tennessee now, right? Correct. Chattanooga. I've got one daughter with four of our grands that live in Chattanooga. And then we've got another daughter that lives in Rome, Georgia, about an hour away. Okay. So it's close enough. They used to live in Michigan, fourteen hours away. Well, um, you know, I uh, I met. I, I just was kind of thinking about when we first met. We actually met through the Aero Leadership Program back in nineteen ninety six. That's a long time ago, Perry. <laughs> you know what? How long had you? That that's. Uh, I mean, when when you when you stop and just think about it. Um, I mean, you had, I don't know how long you had actually been doing ministry, but that's 27 years ago. So how long, uh, how, how long was it where you were doing focused living before Leighton asked you to come start teaching and mentoring us on sharing our faith and one to, you know, doing the, the each one reach one. I started focused living in 1993 
uh, 92, 93, that area. And uh, so it had been about three years. Wow. And, that, uh, so and, so I, I was able to get the benefit of your whole journey pretty much as a minister there. That's exactly. awesome. <laughs> well, it's it's been great. Your your training was so impactful to me. I, I just want to um, go for a second over that. I know uh, you people can still go to Focus Living and get resources um, for each one, reach one, reaching out. You have discipleship stuff on that website as well. And uh, but I want to go with you just for a second down this road of where you've you've been doing this a long time, and and your heart was to reach men to help them grow in discipleship been you know where you are now compared to where you were in 1996 i say what have you seen take place in the world of of evangelism like are are we better off now are we i mean just looking back trying to remember back over those last 30 years do you think we're doing a better job with the church now or are are we are we not? I'm just curious to know. I'm, I'm not asking you that. I was curious to know your thoughts. Yeah. Um, any age is uh, the culture is becoming more dark, which means we are better lights, or at least have the opportunity to do that. I can't speak. Uh, I don't have a position to know whether the church uh, in America, even around me, is doing a better job or not. I do know that uh, God's people are deployed between Sundays, mm-hmm. and God says, I want you to shine as a light. I want you to take every opportunity to point people to my son, Jesus. And uh, to that end, uh, anecdotally, I think more, God is raising up more and more people uh, that are getting excited about personal evangelism. God mm-hmm. never put me in a position, uh, at, you know, hosting a radio station or whatever, that uh, gives me, you know, uh, a microphone to the masses. But consistently through my life, God has put me and most of the men that I'm discipling and mentoring right in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I challenge men all the time, uh, who are the three guys, give me three names of the people that you want to point to Jesus Christ this year. Mm -hmm. And open your mouth and proclaim Christ, and I'll help you to do that. Mm -hmm. And so... uh, I know it's a little bit evasive to your question. I don't know uh, how the church is doing wide, but I do know that I see consistently God raising up more and more lay lights. I don't make a distinction between laymen and, and clergy, because Scripture doesn't uh, do that as much. But uh, I think we're all full-time ministers, and God's put us out there between Sundays to serve Him in that way. Mm. Well, um, yeah, and I, I really wasn't trying to put you on a spot. I was just curious as to somebody who's been doing it for so long, have you been more encouraged uh, in years of late? Uh, because I, I, I found it teaching people or encouraging people to share their faith has been a challenging thing. Um, I think the yeah. enemy attacks there a lot. I mean, you, I, I believe you would agree with that. Um, I mean, oh, I, I definitely agree. The culture, again, is becoming uh, darker, but that gives us a chance to shine more brightly. Uh did my doctorate in, uh, at Columbia International University on just that. That's where each one reached one came from. I did a study, a formative evaluation on 
interviewing about five or six hundred uh, men, especially what is keeping them from uh, sharing their faith, mm-hmm. and then developing a tool, each one reach one, to help them to share their faith. And the three things I came up with in this uh, diagnostic was one: they don't have a relationship with unbelievers. Uh, they just they they're holed up in uh, in little clusters of Christians instead of being engaging with the world. That's number one. Number two, they didn't really understand the gospel enough to overflow in their life. They were they were not overwhelmed by the gospel of God's grace. It's like seeing a good movie. You see a good movie, a restaurant. What do you want to do, Doug? You want to tell people about it, man. You want to you want to share it, yeah. That was a great meal. You gotta go to this rest. We do that all the time with everything because we're excited about it. We've experienced it, but with Christ, they were not experiencing the gospel day by day, so they weren't excited about sharing it. And thirdly, found out that they didn't. They just literally did not know a process to walk people through. So uh, I do that. I see more and more men, especially building relationships with unbelievers. That loving them enough to open their mouths and talk about Jesus, I see more and more men being overwhelmed by the gospel of God's grace, and it's just overflowing. And thirdly, I've seen more men step forward and taking very simple steps in walking someone through the process of uh, rejecting or, re- or receiving Christ, leaving the results to God. Yeah, and and the the big, you know, process that I found very helpful in each one reach one was prayer care share the praying yep. the caring and the sharing out of an overflow of your own love relationship you know i was just uh talking this week at swat as we were doing our uh, bible study this week because we were looking at the paralytic and uh, we were talking about the leper before him jesus would heal these people and they couldn't keep their mouth shut they had to go tell everybody and, and I made the observation to the guys that one of the reasons that a lot of people aren't sharing is nothing's happened. <laughs> you know, really, I mean, like nothing's happened. It, when something happens, it's like you said, you want to tell people. Uh, but it's got to be more than a religious ritual. It's got to be more than doing something because it's the right thing to do. When, when your life is touched by the master like the paralytic was in that. So anyway, I just thought that was interesting. Now, I want to share with people about your resource, uh, the grip guide that you came up with that I thought was really helpful. Tell them what grip is real quick, the grip guide. Grip is, uh, the idea of grip is when God's hand grips your heart, then you'll want to share, you'll want to, uh, reach out and be and and grow in Christ. And the whole idea is: Does God really grip your heart through His Word, through His Holy Spirit? And are you overwhelmed? If you're not overwhelmed by God, you're going to be overcome by the world. Real simple: overcome, overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we've got to. Overwhelmed does not mean just emotionalism, just being overwhelmed by God's character. Uh, the, the the hard thing, Doug, and I know there's a lot of folks listening, but there's a lot of men that are committed to um, uh, the philosophy called Christianity, not the person called Christ. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're out there listening, you're driving a truck, pull over or something, and, and just think about that. Have you been, to, maybe you're not excited about Christ because you're committed to a philosophy. 
I'm, I'm not going to die for a philosophy. I'm not going to give my life to that. I will give my life to somebody raised from the dead and, and save me, the person Jesus Christ. Mm. So just evaluate your life there. Mm, that Well, and uh, along those lines, Perry, you know, you had a discipline uh, and a focus that r- impacted me uh, called your word of the year, your focus word for the yeah. year. And um, since, you know, I've, I've met you, I've tried to do that. And it's really helpful just to think about that. Like when I'm reading the Bible, I'm thinking about that word or that, you know, what that, what that is for the year. And this year, our focus word for SWAT is abide. And talk about how important that has been in your life to have that focus word for the year and how God's used that to encourage you. Sure. Well, it all came from Scripture. It was not a little gimmick. Uh, in Philippians 3.13, the great Apostle Paul says, hey, but one thing I do, forgetting the past, pressing forward, but one thing. And I thought, this is back when I was first married 48 years ago. What would happen if I took one focus word a year, Some not an area of strength, but an area where I just am totally weak and defeated and ask God during that year uh, to grant me some kind of success and growth in that area. And so that's where it started. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, for example, in the transition, uh, my focus word or phrase was heaven rules out of uh, uh, Daniel 4. I just saw this move. God has really brought me back to the basics, the basics of his sovereignty, his control. And so because when you move and you transition, you're out of control. You, you don't, you don't, you're just starting from scratch. So I wanted to focus on that because I felt that was a weak area in my life. This year, just I want to be vitally connected at the heart with Jesus Christ. So I'm just taking all the verses in Scripture, mostly the New Testament, that talk about being in Christ or through Christ. And I'm taking one of those a day, reading the whole chapter that it's in, and just journaling that back to the Lord. It's very simple, but uh, that's what I'm working on uh, this year. And I'm, you know, I'm all 18 days into it now, and I can't wait to see what God continues to help me to study. And again, Perry mentioned Philippians 4.13, one thing I do, right, forgetting what lies behind. I believe that was the verse you mentioned, right? 3.13. 3.13, yeah, Philippians 3.13. Um, the one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead and our word is abide um as you look at your life i mean that's very similar almost to what you're kind of focusing on this year but talk about the traps perry of ministry or actually but let's say spiritual success like where you're you're doing a good job um but you start getting away from the abiding what does that word abide really mean yeah, I mean, the word is, just means to be connected. It's the word meno in Scripture. You have to know that, but it means to stay, uh, to relate with expectancy, to continue, to dwell, to be connected. And, um, uh, you know, I, I ask guys all the time, I think I mentioned to you on the show before, uh, what's the number one most important responsibility of an apple tree? And everybody goes, apple. I go, no, it's stay rooted. Fruit is God's responsibility, fruit of the Spirit. God will grow the fruit in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, if you stay rooted in Him. Mm-hmm. And again, 
because of this move and transition, I'm in uh, going back to the basics. And one of the key basics, Jesus said, is abide in me. Be in me. Stay connected to me, Terry. Trust me for the results. I, what I started in you, I will complete it. Philippians 1 6. I will grow these things in your life, but you stay connected to me and stop trying to grow fake apples. Mm. So that's, that's and uh, of course, Christ said, hey, fine, you're the branches. Abide in that little progression there. He says, I'll bear fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. If you read those first five verses of uh, John 15, I love that. Fruit, and I want to be much fruit guy. Yeah, I, I love that. Well, that that is the verse, isn't it? I, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And, uh, you know, uh, you are now going, you're in an arena out there in the world as a marketplace chaplain that's very different from getting in front of a group of men that want to be there to, to learn about Jesus or learn about his word. Um, talk a little bit about how that transition is. It, is it challenging for you out there in the workplace to do that? Like, cause you, it's not like you got a ready audience anymore, right? Like <laughs> where you're out there is a little more uh, cultivating well, what one friend of ours says, cultivating the garden a yeah. little bit. I mean, it's very what you experienced, Doug. I mean, for 30 years, I ministered primarily to guys that wanted to be with you. You know, they, they wanted to come to a Bible study or, or whatever it is. Uh, now, you've got to parachute into their lives and stay there and remain there and point them to Christ. A lot of guys, you look in your eye, and the last thing they want to do is talk to the last thing they want to do. But... It's also one of the things that a lot of them are wanting to do because they got no one else to talk to. They're not churched. They're not being discipled. They don't know about, they sort of know about God, but they don't know God. And so I'm just right there, uh, three to five minutes, maybe at a break, lunch, pulling guys off the line. I mean, from the boardroom out to the, uh, the, the warehouse and everything in between, executives, uh part-timers, everything, and uh, it's just neat. The big, the big transition that I think what you're asking is uh, you've got to pray. You've got to just say, God, I don't know what I'm walking into. You've got to let people. Some of these places have 200 people. Some have mm-hmm. 500, 3,000 people. And uh, it's just to God and leave the results. Well, um, well, I uh, I was just thinking about some of the difficulties of dealing with people in the workplace back when I was in the the Marine Corps, or also when I was um, in you know working in the, for the government uh, out there, trying to be basically a a minister, but who's working out there. And you're there as a chaplain. Have people been open to you being a chaplain? Are they open to that, or do they think it's kind of they don't, you know, they they stay away from you, you know? Well, it depends on who it is, but yeah, they're checking you out. Are they real? Are they not real? Who's this? Who's this old guy? You know, is he cool? Is he not cool? Is he illegitimate? 
And then after you minister to some folks, the word gets around. Hey, uh, like, for example, there's a huge breakthrough a couple months ago. One guy is, uh, um, was ministering to, he didn't want to be around, and then his son died. His son was in prison, 30 years old, died, went to his funeral. And, uh, you know, what are you doing here? I said, well, your son died. And, and, uh, and I just looked at him and said, hey, you know, God doesn't know anything about what I'm going through. He said, yeah, he does. Your son was stabbed. So was God's son. He was stabbed in the side of the spear. Mm-hmm. You could have just, uh, just, it just went silent. But word got back, because he's sort of one of the leaders in this one business, and word got back. Hey, this guy's legitimate. He really cares. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want anything for me. He just wants to point you to this person, Jesus. And so you get breakthroughs like that. That sounds a little dramatic, but that happens all the time. So they check you out. And then after a couple months, they see you're not going anywhere. He's legit. He's not passing on your secrets to other people. It's confidential. And they just start coming out, calling you at all times of the day. Hey, this, that, and the other's happening. You know, on my fourth marriage, this, that. I'm not sure, you know, just had an affair. Whatever it is, and you get to minister to them and ultimately point them to Christ. Well, but you know, Perry, that's one thing I've always appreciated about you that you've influenced me into to be bold. That that was a bold statement. Like, you know, because a lot of times our tendency is when somebody responds back to us, God doesn't know or you don't know or whatever, we kind of go into a mode of, oh, I'm bothering this person instead. And I made this point in teaching about the four men who carried in the paralytic, they were undeterred in getting their friend to Jesus. And yep. you, you've you had that kind of passion and, and as long as I've known you. And it that is something, um, how, what has helped fuel that passion for you? To be willing to, to be, I remember one time you told me, you said, I would rather be and it's been very helpful to me. I would rather be embarrassed and be wrong than be right and not say anything. You remember saying yeah. that? Uh, uh, is that kind of the philosophy that's helped you do that? Was there uh, some scripture? Some what what fuels that ability to be able to say the hard things? I think that's what keeps a lot of people from being bold witnesses. And just the way you did it with that guy, what? What's a help for people that are out there that struggle with that? God is working both sides of the street. He's putting it out and out there. He's working your side and your heart. He's also working across the street in the hearts of others. You may not know who it is. I don't have to know who it is. And one thing that just helped me way back when I was just scared, and still, it's still scary to me. I wish I could tell you I'm some Mr. Bold or not. I'm not, you know, but I'm out there trying to be faithful. But I remember reading in Mark 5, and if you read the parable, of the, yeah, I mean, the yeah, parallel, you're coming up to Mark 5 pretty soon. The demoniac guy, he's got gets out of the boat, and this demoniac guy, 2,000 demons in him, runs up to Jesus. Jesus heals him, and, in the, and he says, uh, hey, let me go with you. And he says, Jesus did not. And then the next verse in verse 20 says, or verse 19 says, go home to your people and do two things. Just report to them. Tell them what great things God's done and tell them how he's had mercy on you. Translate it. Hmm. 
go to your people, the people I put right in front of you. You don't have to go anywhere else. Just go where I tell you. Look for someone, because I'm working both sides of the street. Open your mouth. Tell them how great I am, something that I've done in your life, and tell them how I've forgiven one of your sins. Just tell them. And I, that's what I do. I just tell them, hey, they say, how are you doing? I said, great. It's going to be a great year. We have a great God, and I'm learning. God taught me this. He did this. I got another paycheck. I can't believe it. My wife still loves me. You kidding? I would not want to be married to me for 48 years. And I tell them some great thing that God's done. And I said, you know, I'm also thankful because God forgave my lust from last week. Mm. God forgave my, my exaggeration, which is basically lying from last week. Mm-hmm. And pastors do that all the time. And I, and I tell them that, and that just opens up the gospel. And by the way, when you read that, tell your folks, you know, Jesus fed the 5,000, and then he fed the 4,000. Guess where those 4,000 guys came from in Mark 6? Came from the, the guy that... The demon-possessed guy, he went over to the capitalist, and that's where Jesus fed the 4,000. Where did all these 4,000 guys come from? The demon went, the demon, formerly demon-possessed guy went back and shared his faith in those 4,000 folks. Yeah, that, I want to be that. Yeah, that. I want to be that. That is a great passage and a really a great instructive word there. Go home to your friends, tell them how much the Lord's done for you and how he had mercy on you. What what a what a great exhortation there from Jesus to encourage people and I just like I said that there's times that people think because you're in ministry or because you're an evangelist that you never struggle with telling people but the enemy comes against us too he comes against people who feel that 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 passion to want to tell people just like other people and you you have to lean on him. You have to trust in him, and you have to just say, Lord, help me, because it's only through his strength that any of us can do anything. But I, I really appreciate that passage in Mark, Perry. Well, we got to take our break for the news on the half hour. When we come back, I'd like to uh, us to kind of go down um, for the men out there, the importance of men's accountability the importance of making disciples and discipleship uh, and and what are some of the important lessons that as you look back over your journey of faith as a follower first a husband second and a father and a grandfather that you'd be willing to share with the guys okay you, you there yes i am okay good i thought Thank i lost you. I, yeah yeah i thought i lost you all right well we're going to take a, a break for the news You're listening to SWAT Radio, Dr. Perry Bowers, and we're going to be right back after this. Stay tuned. SWAT Radio is underwritten in part by The Guardian Group. You know Brad Sykes as co-host of SWAT Radio. While Brad is committed to making disciples both on and off the air, his ministry extends into the marketplace as a licensed real estate agent with Keller Williams Southside. Brad and his wife Vicki are real estate agents in Northeast Florida. They are the founding partners of The Guardian Group. They help people buy, sell, and invest in real estate with offices near Butler and Southside Boulevards. 904-580-7255. That's 904-480-7255. 
and online at guardiangroupjax.com. That's guardiangroupjax.com. The Guardian Group, happy to bring you SWAT Radio on the truth. The Florida Georgia Truth Network, serving San Marco at 91.7. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. The number of Americans applying for unemployment benefits was down last week, falling to its lowest level in more than a year, underscoring the resilience of the labor market amid higher interest rates. Jobless claim applications fell to 187,000 for the week ending January 3rd. That's a decrease of 16,000 from the previous week, according to the Labor Department. That's the fewest since September of 2022. A key sticking point remains in border security and Ukraine funding negotiations. That's after this week's White House meeting with congressional leaders. White House correspondent Greg Cluxton reports. The Biden administration supports the presidential authority to allow migrants into the U.S. for special cases, but Republicans are opposed. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis tells the Salem Radio Network that President Biden's policies are the problem. When he's asked for money in the past, it hasn't been to stop the illegal immigration. It's been to process more illegals. In Washington, GOP lawmakers are refusing to approve any further aid for Ukraine or Israel without border policy changes. Greg Clugston reporting. Also at SRNews.com, the U.S. military has launched another barrage of missiles against Houthi sites in Yemen. The wave of ship and submarine launched missile strikes against Houthi locations marks the fourth time in days the U.S. has directly targeted the group as violence that ignited in the wake of the Israel-Hamas war continues to spill over in the Middle East. The strikes were launched from the Red Sea and hit targets the command deemed an imminent threat. The hits followed unofficial announcements. There's a few delays because of a crash on I-95 northbound between Southside Boulevard and Bay Meadows Road. Also, there's a broken-down vehicle on the West Beltway, 295 northbound before Dunn Avenue. And there's some congestion on U.S. 17 Roosevelt Boulevard northbound and southbound near NAS Jacks. Mostly cloudy tonight, low 49. Friday, partly sunny, high 67. From the Traffic and Weather Center, I'm A.J. Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. It's Doug McCary of uh, His Light Ministries with my friend and mentor, Perry Bowers, Dr. Perry Bowers, who's from Tennessee now, and uh, he spent a long time, at least 30-something years up in uh, Columbia, started a ministry there called Focus Living Ministries with lots of good resources for evangelism, discipleship, and if you want to know more about Focus Living, you can go to focusedliving.com. That's F-O-C-U-S-E-D living.com. And, uh, you know, Perry, I was just um, in the break. I was looking 
uh, Pew Research. They they do all these different, um, you know, uh, surveys and stuff and uh, throughout the U.S. and they 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 track trends. And I just found it interesting that um, just you know I the the last one that they tracked the trend on was in 2014 versus 2007 so a seven year time span which is you know we're we're 10 years out of 2014 so it's probably amplified more uh in the trend that it was going but uh belief in god among men this is just dealing with men uh, it went from people who don't believe in god or who don't know uh being 26 percent in 2007 to now 30 39 uh, percent in this one survey i mean that, that that's a pretty big jump and that was back in 2014 i don't know that that trend has reversed you know because <laughs> our world has not gotten more spiritual right we our, our country certain has gotten has not gotten more spiritual toward God has become much more secular. Um, but uh, the other the other interesting stat was the attendance at religious service uh, among men was fairly consistent, which I thought was interesting. 2007, 65% uh, seldom or never went to a service. And 68 in 2014 so but but i was struck by that so six out of every 10 men according to this particular survey do not attend any kind of religious service in a a month Uh, or you know that that's that's a pretty big number of guys you know in our country wouldn't you say i think so that's that uh that percentage is what I'm experiencing every day. At least 60-70% of the men that I talk to in the marketplace uh, are not connected anywhere with other men that are godly or any kind of religious uh, services or programs, Bible studies, that kind of thing. They're just out there flailing around on their own. Yeah, And And to your first point, as far as believing uh, a lot of guys, I challenge them. Do you, you know, do you do you want to believe in the God you want, or are you going to believe in the God who has clearly revealed Himself uh, in Scripture and in His Son? Hmm. And so, so a lot of guys they believe in some kind of God, even the God of fate, the God of finances, whatever. But very few believe in the God uh, of Scripture uh, because they just don't understand who He is, and they don't. They've got some kind of skewed understanding Mm. well this same this same you know uh, survey when they interviewed men about uh, their source of guidance on morals on life or or whatever um, only 25 percent of them so one which would correlate to the other only 25 percent of them uh, listed religion which is, it's not the Bible, but religion itself. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and you and I both know, I mean, there's lots of different religions. So, you know, it's that that's sure. uh, and that same survey said that as far as like the uh, absolute right and wrong, you know, uh, that um, the uh, belief in an absolute standard, um, there was um, only 30 percent. Everybody like 70 percent believed it depends on the situation that's called situational ethics which if you believe in the bible you can't believe in situational ethics right so 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 this is what you've been dealing with so all that to lead up to the question of you you spent your last 30 years and even now but as a chaplain now but you spent the last 30 years doing forums trying to help men uh, learn how to connect with God or to help them connect with Jesus and to help them to be able to process life through a biblical lens and the lens of Jesus. Uh, talk a little bit about how important that is for guys. There may be guys listening out there who go, you know, I go to church once a week, um, you know, and I'm doing okay. I don't have any major problems, uh, but they're not part of a regular accountability or a regular group of guys, a community around the world. They just go to church, pop in there and they leave. Talk about how important that was for your forums and for you and for those guys and what you've saw take place in that. Well, even now, I mean, I, I lead uh, several men's forums uh, now, uh, even here in, in everywhere I go, I'm going to have men's forum, a place where men can feel safe, they can ask questions and be challenged by God's truth, because that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And to interface with other other men, where they're going to be asked hard questions uh, with grace. And so it's it's vital. The guys have got to have a steady stream of God's truth, because it's all about the heart, it's all about the mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. And God has wired men, God has wired all people, or truth, to respond to truth, but we've calloused our hearts against God's truth. We think we know better, we rejected His truth. Uh, we've exchanged, as Romans 1, we've exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And men have to find out that the hard way, that there's no other source of truth out there, not just morals, but truth, whereby they can live their life. And marriage, finances, family, you name it, does not work apart from God's truth. Mm. And it just takes some men a lot longer to figure that out than than other men. Mm. And even those men that have figured it out, a lot of times we play fast and loose with God. And I tell guys all the time, I said, look, Satan does not mind you reading the Bible. He just does not mind, want you meeting with God. <laughs> a lot of guys read the Bible, but mm. don't meet with God. Mm. And um, man, if your heart is not connecting with God every time you're reading Scripture, Satan loves that because he just he's got you snowed, thinking you're doing the right thing and you're not because you're not taking the hard time to run your the truth from head, heart, hands until it's a habit. Head, heart, hands, habit. Always in that uh, that progression. Say that again. It. Say that one more time. Head. Head always starts with your head, down to your heart, into your habits 
into your hands until it is a habit. Mm-hmm. God always works that way in Scripture, and Satan loves it. Just keep God's truth in your head, mm-hmm. you know, and not do the hard work moving it to your heart or your passionate about, and then applying it, actually doing something with it until it becomes a habit in your life. That's hard work, and that's why men men are so tired of doing everything else. They, they, oh, there's just one more thing, mm. but it is the thing. Mm. Talk a little bit, unpack that a little bit, what you shared about um, not just reading uh, the Bible, but meeting with God practically for men yeah. out there. Unpack that a little bit for guys that might be listening. Sure. Well, uh, you know, uh, what Proverbs 4.23 says, watch over your heart with all diligence from the springs of life. Uh, That's just a standard. You've got to watch over your heart. And the idea is you've got to connect daily with God in your heart, not just with your head. And what that looks like is, that's why I'm a big proponent of journaling. I've got 45 years worth of journaling. Journaling is not writing out what you did today. Journaling is 100% prayer. I read scripture. I read it until God grips my heart with something, some truth, and then I journal it. Father, I can't live this truth out today apart from you. Forgive me for this. Help me to do this. Help me to apply the truth. And I just write out a prayer, one sentence or one page. It doesn't matter. But I, that's the first step of processing moving the truth from my head to my heart is writing out a prayer. I'm much more likely to uh, live out truth that I've committed to God in prayer than just a truth that I just, well, that's nice, and I move on. You don't move on. You've Hmm. got to connect your heart, and nothing connects your heart like prayer. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And do, do you, can you talk a little bit about meditation? In the past, we've had people say, well, I don't think meditation is biblical. Well, it talks about it in there, the man who meditates. But but um, how 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 does that practice, like how have you practiced that in your life, yeah. the meditation? Okay, well, it's going to sound gross, so forgive me if there's any women out there, but the word meditate, is it means to uh, chewing cud. And if you look at uh, cows out there, they got four stomachs, and they're out there, they eat grass, and they sit down, and they barf it back up, and they chew on it some more. And that's what scripture, you bring it back up, and you chew on it some more. Bring it back up and chew it some more until it's fully digested, and you can give it away to others. That's what cows do. They give their milk away to others, and that's what dads aren't doing. They're not chewing on God's Word enough and bringing it back up, chewing on it, bringing it back up, and it's just like, give me another sermon, give me another sermon. God says, no, when you start living what I've already given you, then I'll give you more. Keep bringing. So that's what meditation is. Mm. It's slowing down, stopping, bringing up God's truth throughout the day, chewing on it, and say, "Oh man, I missed that point. God, you told me to be patient this morning. I've not been patient. Whatever, help me to be patient. Keep bringing that up until it's until it's producing uh, something to give away to others. And that's that's what meditation is all about." That's really good, Perry. Thank you. Thank you for expanding on that. Well, you know, I was sad to um, see the other day uh, that uh, our friend Martin Sanders passed away. I know that you were Mm. at one time part of a group. Martin was a guy that uh, I'd gotten to meet with several times, and Lori and I actually met with him in Houston one time and had, had dinner with him. 
and he was just he was a guy who loved the Lord and he was he was part of a group that you were a part of uh too just a, a peer group a, a group of of people to encourage along the way and I, I tell everybody all the time they need a Paul in their life they need a Timothy in their life and they need a Barnabas in their life somebody who can encourage um so first I'm sorry that our, our you know uh, he, you knew him a lot better than I did, but I know he was a contemporary of yours. He loved the Lord. He served the Lord. Um, talk a little bit about the importance of that kind of relationship to the Barnabases in our life. How you've you've been a Paul and a Barnabas to me. You've kind of functioned in both roles, but more of a Paul to me. Um, uh, how important was it for you to have the Barnabases in your life? Yeah, Barnabas, son of encouragement. Uh, men need encouragement. Encouragement does not mean, hey, stay at it. It's it's not a feeling. Feelings can come and go. The word encouragement is encourage, okay? It's the, our English word. The word character and courage come from the same uh, root word from the heart. So a man is most encouraged when, he, uh, when you tell him and encourage him about God's character. Mm. You want to really encourage someone, tell them about God's character. Don't ever say, hey, things are going to get better. That's not encouragement because things may not get better. Mm. The guy has cancer. You don't say, hey, things are going to get better. You don't know that. But you can tell them, hey, God loves you. God is not take God by surprise. God's sovereign. God will walk you through this. God loves you through this. God will give you endurance until he either heals you or takes you home. Now that's encouraging. That's what courage is all about. So men need an amazing amount of courage, but uh, they're not. We're not challenging each other from God's, uh, from about God's character. Mm-hmm. And so if you if you, if you're listening today and you know someone who needs encouragement, a wife, a son, something, tell them about God's character in your life, and that will be more encouraging than hey the economy is going to get better, hey your candidate's going to win this fall, hey. Still, you know, your team's going to make it to the Super Bowl. That's not encouraging at all. Well, I know that you have gone through your own physical challenges, and Janet's had physical challenges because of an accident, and um, you, you've had to work through difficult things. This is not something you're just flippantly saying uh, about. I mean, you've had to deal with some tough stuff, um, and as as you as you went through those things, was it, was, you know, one of the things that we we get hit with a lot is, well, I need more than scripture. I need God with skin on. I need something more than just giving me a Bible verse. How do you respond to men who, when you're trying to share with them those things about God, that, that, that those truths about God, they, come back at you with, well, that doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> how, how do you respond to that, Perry? Well, I, I say, uh, first thing I say, it's, it's got to be both. It, you start the base, you start with God's Word, His truth, and that, then you need God. If you ask for it, God will give you at least one brother to walk through with you whatever you're going through. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times guys don't want another brother in their life. They don't want someone asking them the hard questions. That's what it really comes down to, accountability. Mm-hmm. We think accountability is some big negative thing. All accountability is asking the same questions on this side of the grave that God's going to ask us on the other. Mm-hmm. Doug, you and I are both going to stand before God, and we've held each other accountable in a lot of different ways. And God's going to look in your eye and say, hey, give me an account how you love Lori. Perry, mm-hmm. give me an account how you love Janet. Well, let's not wait till then. Let's Every time we talk, Doug, I ask you about Lori, how you're loving her, and you ask me about Janet. Mm-hmm. That's accountability. And it's always followed up with, great, whether it's I'm doing well or not doing well, how can I help you do it more? Mm-hmm. How can I help and serve you there? And so that's just accountability. It's not this big thing out there, this heavy thing. Yeah, there's times where you have to look in a guy's eye and spit in it, mm-hmm. but there's a a lot of times where you just need to ask some hard questions and be asked those hard questions. Met, met with a guy at lunch today, young guy, four kids, and I said, uh, let's call him Jim. Jim, uh, is any, as you start the new year, what are three questions that you want me to ask you every week to help you grow in Christ? And here are three questions you can ask me. That's accountability. Mm-hmm. And we spent the whole lunch asking those questions, and he walked away size a kite because someone cared to ask him these questions, and someone not only cared to ask the question, but said, great, let's help each other mm-hmm. when we meet next week. Yeah, That's I, what it's about. You can't get around that at all. Yeah, and, and I so appreciate that that perspective, asking each other the questions that got on this side that God is going to ask us on the other side uh, and, and, yeah. but not doing it in a condemning way. You, you've never been condemning. You've always been encouraging for the last 20 plus years that I've known you. And, and I've called you during some pretty desperate times personally, where I've struggled relationally. I've struggled with Lori. I've struggled with my kids and you have always pointed me to Jesus, always pointed me to his truth, but not in a condemning way. But like you said, hey, you know, so and you've said hard things. And boy, it, it has been so helpful to have somebody like you to do that. One, because I know you care about me Two, I know you care about God's truth. And, 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 and I want that. And and so when you get a guy who doesn't want it, when you bring it to him and he acts like he wants it, but he's not, how have you handled that personally, Perry? Because I know you've had forums for a long time and you do have guys that come. And I, I guess a better way to say it is you have people that want to feel better about telling you they're not doing it and it makes them feel good to tell you. <laughs> and have you pray with them, but they don't, they just keep doing the same things and they really don't want you speaking truth in their life. How do you deal with that? Cause there's a lot of guys out well, there just, that yeah. deal with that. Yeah. I just asked, first of all, the biggest thing is I just asked for permission. Hey, John, do you want to grow in Christ in 2024? Yes. Do you have anybody asking you hard questions? No. May I have permission to ask you these two questions? That you, where you can grow, you know, your lust life, your finances, whatever it is. And here's two questions you can ask me. And if they don't give me permission, mm-hmm. what can I do? Yeah. I, there's 4,000 other guys out there that I, that want this. Mm-hmm. 
I, I, I don't dump them, yeah. but I don't pursue them either because yeah. they, they just, until God gets their attention, there's no, I can't just kick the door of their life in yeah. without permission. So I'm always asking for, for permission because then I know that when they get permission, that opens their heart to want to grow in that area. And yeah. I asked a guy today, mm-hmm. hey, do you want, do, will you give me permission to, to talk to you about these things? He said, yes. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, and here, let's go. That's good. That's a really good word. In fact, I, I shared that yesterday at the SWAT group that a lot of times Satan will use people to disrupt your time schedule or you keep spending time with people who don't really want to grow. So I love that question. Again, he just shared, do you want to grow in Christ, let's say in 2024? That's a good clarifying question. And if people say yes to that, then asking them, can I ask you these two questions? Do you have, you know, is there two questions that are pretty common or do you just base it on the guy you're talking to, Perry? Both. There's, there's, a, there's the standard. If he doesn't have any questions, then, then um, Scripture offers four questions right out of when Jesus said in the Great Commission, make disciples. The word disciple is mathetes, where we get the word mathematics. So I just take the four basic functions of mathematics and if they don't have any questions, I say, well, here's four right out of Jesus when he said make disciples. And that's what we need to do with each other, make disciples. Okay. One, is there anything God wants you to add to your life? Two, is there anything God wants to subtract from your life? Three, where is God calling you to multiply your life? And four, where are you being divisive at home or in your church home? Boom, start there. Would you allow me to, you can ask me those questions. Can I ask you those questions? And so if they don't have anything more specific, I'll start there. And within a week or two, they've got three or four very specific questions more than that. But that's where I start. I like that, Barry. That's good. Anything you want to add or anything, not you, but anything God wants you to add to your life, anything he wants you to subtract from your life. Is there any area he's wanting to multiply you? Is that right? Was that the third? Yep. And then fourth, is there any place you are being divisive. Is that right? Yep. yep. Right. That's good. I like that. that is- let, let me just uh, let me just say this, put a plug in for New Year's. It's a new year, guys, as you're listening to this. And you need to understand that in, uh, what is it, uh, Exodus 12, I believe it is, 1 and 2, that Easter started at the, at the cross. New Year starts at the cross. It says the first day of the first month, that's when Passover is in March and April in the Jewish calendar. The new year always starts at the cross. So men, get before Christ at the cross, look God in the eye, and ask God, God, is there anything you want you want to do? Stop living by resolutions. New Year's resolutions say, I resolve to do this. Gym membership, reading scripture, whatever it is, and it always poops out by February because it's up to me. Mm-hmm. Repentance is different than resolve. Is there anything you need to repent of? Cry out to God, say, I've been trying this for six years, God, I can't get it. Would you help me? Would you send David's darkest time? He didn't relieve him from the pressure of Saul trying to kill him. He sent him Jonathan. Hmm. Boom. Do the same thing. God, I'm going through this. Will you send me a Jonathan? I promise you, God will send you one if you're willing to become a Jonathan as well. Hmm. So, 
start the new year at the cross, forget resolutions, start repenting. Mm-hmm. Just one thing that you most need to repent of because it puts it in God's court. God will help you to turn that area around. Resolve. I, I just don't have the strength to resolve to do anything in my life. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Doug? No, that made a lot of sense. It's really, really helpful. And Perry, we're at the end of our time. And oh. I, I just really want to thank you, one, for how you've just, uh, you've been a great mentor uh, for me over the years. And uh, I, I can't even begin to thank you for all the ways you've encouraged me in ministry and my family. And uh, you you are the real deal. And if you want to know more, go to focusliving.com. That was what God put on Perry's heart to do. And, and I would 